just by way of review, when we study our, our need to be made for more or that we are made for more, we need to look at the fact that God was fully devoted to us. So part one of our series was God was fully devoted. Romans 5.8 says that so crystal clear. God commended his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so that's a really huge, huge testimony. Um, you won't find anybody more devoted to you than Christ. Nobody. Um, Christ has always been, always has been, always will be fully devoted to loving you. And you can count on it, even, by the way, when you reject him and despise him, he's always fully devoted to you. Part two, to experience the more God made uh, you for, you have to follow Christ. And we studied this last week. Um, you have to be willing to accept him as your savior and then grow in grace and knowledge and truth of that. And we studied this little concept of following last week. I used a lot of verses about uh, the disciples following Jesus. And it was a physical follow in that day. When Jesus looked at the disciples, he said, seriously, follow me. Come with me. We're going this way. Um, and they got to experience life in him. It wasn't just about following from a distance and taking notes like a reporter and going, oh, that's what he did, and that's what he did, and that's what he did, although we have a lot of that written down. We have uh, you know, the, the gospel present representation of what Jesus did. It was actually about the disciples learning to live like Jesus. That's the songs we sang today have a ton of that emphasis in them, and it's the responsibility of us as believers to live like Jesus. So we are to live like him Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 7. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who builds his house on the rocks. You know the story of the wise man builds his house on the rocks and the, and the foolish man builds it on the sand. But he, the, the, the point is, one guy did what he was told, he obeyed, and the other guy didn't. And it's about being obedient, it's about doing. If you listen to his words, you are to do them. Uh, Jesus actually says very crystal clear in the book of James that we are not to be hearers of the word, but doers. And you're going to feel that challenge really strong at Northside uh, coming up. We're, we're sort of studying as a staff and team of leadership here and elders that, that uh, we've got to get better at doing, not just hearing, not just thinking, not just knowing. But it's supposed to be that your hands and feet are supposed to serve him. So we want you to, to sense that as we come into this new year and part of the vision which next Sunday is our Vision Sunday. We'd love to have you come be part of that. We've got dinner on the ground on Vision Sunday, and so it'll be a great time with our fellowship and really a challenge uh, that's even challenging me as I'm writing, finish writing it out this week. So, But I want to give you two, there's two things to consider today as we talk about spiritual maturity, as we talk about trying to um, become fully devoted to, to, to live in the more uh, everybody who wants to live in the more needs to do two things um, that have to do with your spiritual life. And one is just consider your calling itself. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Uh, some of my favorite verses. I think one of my earliest sermons I ever preached as a young 17, 18-year-old pastor uh, came out of this text. And I've always been very fond of 1 Corinthians 1, 26 because it helped me understand me a little bit. So listen to these words. 1 Corinthians 1.26 says, Consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were noble birth, of noble birth. 
But God chose what is foolish in this world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in this world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in this world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him you are in Christ, who, who became, what did Christ do for us? He became wisdom from God. So your wisdom wasn't from you, right? It's from God. He became righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He became all of that so that as is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We sang that song a few weeks ago. Uh, Glorious day, living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified. See, he did it all. 1 Corinthians echoes that in in that last uh, verse that he did all of the work. So our boasting is in what he's done, not what we've done, right? And, but he called us in the midst of him doing all of that for us. The text says, think about your calling. Lock, think about it means really to dwell on it intensely, to dwell on it. Now, just a quick note about Corinthians. We studied the book of Corinthians, I don't know, five or six years ago. I don't remember how long ago it was. Brother Al's good with dates and math and all that. But quite a while ago, we walked all the way through, took a couple of years to get through the book of Corinthians together. And I think uh, Kendall Small Group just did First and Second Corinthians, didn't you? Back to back in your little Bible study there, so it was great. First Corinthians one, though, um, just the saints at Corinth, and he calls them saints. I believe it's in verse nine, chapter one. He calls them saints, right? But the saints at Corinth were an absolute mess. Okay, I just I just need you to know they were not. Corinthians is not the model church. If you're going to build a church and you want to have your church family follow some group instructions, go to Thessalonians. That little church is doing awesome. You can look at some of the stuff in some other church. Ephesus church is doing pretty good in its early days. But when you look at the Corinthian church, oh my goodness, they're an absolute mess. And yet he calls them saints, and then he spends 14 chapters, really almost 14 and a half chapters, saying, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Don't do it this way. Come on. Think about this. You know, in the early part of the book, in chapter 2 and 3, he calls them babies. He says, I should be able to speak to you as, as grown-up Christians. You're, you're, you've been Christians for 18 months. You should be all grown up now. Instead, he goes, but you're acting like babies, and you act a lot like babies. You pick one guy over another, Apollos, and all that little argument they had over, you know, I prefer Cephas and I prefer Apollos. And he's like, come on. It's not about all that. It's about God doing this incredible work in your community and around you guys. Chapter 5 and 6, he actually threatens to come and straighten out the sin that's in the church. There's unaddressed sin, high sin in the church. And he's like, I'll come fix that. I mean, so they're not this stellar, award-winning body, right? They're not knocking it dead as an example. Chapter 8 through 10, he's trying to help them get along. They've got all kinds of gray areas where they're arguing over whether it's right to eat this kind of meat and what kind of when, what day can we eat meat that's been offered to idols and all that kind of stuff because there's demons that were part of that and some people are going yes, some people are going no. And there's this huge argument that breaks out and Paul's trying to go, it's all great, just don't offend anybody. Stop offending each other. Let's unify around some truths and get back to the core values of what's happening there. So they were an absolute mess. Then they had all the gift issues. Some of them were exalting one gift over another and trying to make something out of something that wasn't. And, and Paul's going, stop. Stop. Love is the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love. 
key. And 1 Corinthians 13 is all about in the middle of the gifts controversy. There's this moment where he goes, look, if you're not loving whatever gift you have, whatever spiritual gift you think you've got that's made you all of that, if you're not loving, you're nothing, 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 right? So he's fixing them all through this book. And yet he writes at the very beginning, you're saints. And by the way, just consider how you were called. Because God didn't call wise people or strong people or powerful people. He called you. And he, and he, and he, he, does, he, called, he called them to show the wise, to show the strong, and to show the powerful to the, the glory of God. They're supposed to see the glory of God in not wise, not strong, not powerful people. I've taught for years in youth groups and college groups and children's camps and, and uh, taught, taught in uh, Christian school, uh, Bible classes in Christian school for a while. Brother Aaron was one of those in my generation there back in the day. Uh, but I love teaching about Samson because everybody thinks Samson looks like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, looks all big and buff. I don't think he looked that way at all. I think he was just this wiry little scrawny thing, you know? I think he looked frail and weak, and it freaked people out when this frail, weak little guy could just whoop everybody in the room because he had the Spirit of God on him, and he could do things that nobody expected out of him. That's what Paul's trying to help you understand. Consider your calling. You're not wise. You're not of nobility. You're not politically or any otherwise strong in any sense of the word. Uh, you, you have no strength. You have no power. But you can display the glory of God. You, think about that. You can display the glory of God in your life. He called you to do that. You can do that. Every single one of you. The question becomes... In this last week, if you want to back up and do a little eval, let's evaluate. In this last week, did you display the glory of God in your week? Did the glory of God shine forth from you? Or did you just go about your routine and, you know, you showed up at a couple of Bible studies and some, you know, church here. And, and you worshiped a little bit, you sang some Christian songs in your car. And you had some, you had some God moments in your week. But you were called, consider your calling. You were called to display his glory. Display it. Not just to have it, but to put it on display. And by the way, it's not real flashy. I'm going to show you that in a little bit. It's not, not, not like, woohoo, look at me. The glory of God's on me. I'm going to run around the parking lot and yell at people or anything like that. It's not like that. Okay? That's not displaying the glory. It might, it might be if he asked you to do that. If you, if you study the book of Jeremiah, by the way, there's a bunch of weird stuff God asked Jeremiah to do. To display his glory to Israel. It was really weird back in that day. Okay, so I'm not saying if you ever did that, that that was wrong. I'm just saying there may be a better way to do that and some simple ways to do that. The point I want you to get from this first passage this morning is real straightforward. You were called by God to display his glory, not according to the world's standards. You weren't called to display according to the world's standards, but by God's ability in you. In other words, when if, if you're you're just naturally brilliant, smart person. You know, people, when you talk, people know that. You know, people know I'm a C student when I talk. It's pretty crystal clear at times. When I get my words all tangled up and, you know, misrepresent what I'm saying, say the wrong. You know, I live with a journalist, a son who's an OCD journalist, uh, and, and a wife 
whatever all that is. And, and uh, I mean, she's brilliant. You know, and she, you know, I, I write notes or letters to people and I get, I get my family to proof it and it's just horrible. It's like, did you even go to school, Dan? What's wrong with you? You know? Like, well, it's, those were my words, but you put your words in there. Correct my grammar and my English and my spelling and my commas and all of that. Just fix it all. Right? I know that it's nothing impressive for me. Uh, you know, once I'm in that light, but when somebody's brilliant like that, it does the glory of God's not going to shine necessarily through that moment in their life or that talent or that strength. That is their strength. Right? And I've told you this a zillion times. I failed public speaking in high school. Failed F in high school. Right? I failed public speaking because I threw up before. If you can't get up there, you don't get a grade. You know? And so I just remember the second time I was supposed to speak, which was going to be the, hey, this will say, you can just, you know, this little two-minute speech you can give. I wrote the thing out, read it 10,000 times. But standing in front of my peers at my school was not something that was going to happen in high school for me. It was horrifying. And, and I remember trying to plan on getting up there. The guy that spoke in front of me did a, a, a his speech was about peanut butter, and he had this giant jar of peanut butter. And the room smelled like, yeah, so I'm already queasy as I can be. You know, and it's just like, you know, now I'm bolting out the door and in the bathroom, puking my guts out, and I get an F, Right? The last thing I'd like to do in my flesh today is be the guy standing here with all the eyes looking this way. I really like the idea of being in the box or behind the box back there. That's me. I think running things for people to do things is awesome. But God called me, consider my calling, he called me right here at this altar when I was a boy at this church, right here, he called me to preach. Well, that requires me to be on this side of the pulpit, Right? That's not comfortable for me. I went to Bible college four years. I had four years of training to do this, and it paid off because I got brave enough somewhere in all that to keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. Bill remembers, and Al would have been here, and Robert would have been here, when I preached my first sermon here coming out of Bible college. I stood behind the big old wooden pulpit. Thank you, Jesus, for the big old wooden pulpit, okay? Because the only people that could see how bad my legs were shaking, I mean literally shaking the whole time I'm talking. I'm, I'm like this up here, just trying to get through. I think this was my sermon. My sermon was out of this passage. Uh, it was, no, it was in First Corinthians 2. But the choir back then, this was the choir loft. And the choir's back here. I know they're just praying, Lord Jesus, don't let him faint. He just looks so frail and weak up there. You know, I'm just trying to get through my sermon. I was terrified. It's not my strength to do this. It's not. It's a weakness of mine. I don't like it. But I have to do it because it's a calling on my life. And then there's these really cool gifts that God gives. So here's, let's go back one slide for me, can you? Just strive to do great things for God and display His glory. And some of you know, I, you know, I've been, I've been taken to Romania to teach in camps in the summertime 14 summers in a row. Listen to me. <laughs> I don't understand this. I'm just a little kid that grew up in Crichton. Okay? I lived at 703 Rock Street in Crichton. <laughs> in Crichton. And then we moved out to what back then was called the Sticks, which we call Sims now, by the way. But it was called the Sticks back then. It was on Dirt Road. And I lived on La Coast Road, the Dirt Road, Pine Tucky, if you really want to know the name of the area. Bill 
lives right down the road from Pontiac. But I lived in Pontucky as a country boy that I couldn't get five sentences straight when I was in high school here. I was not anything. I was a goober. I mean, a just a goofy, goofy kid. Little country boy didn't know anything about anything. Messed up a lot of things in my life. And 14 summers in a row, God said, I want you to go to Romania. Take a team, by the way, and lead them over there. Camp up in the mountains and preach 30 messages in 10 days to these people that have never heard the Bible preached to them. They've been behind the Iron Curtain. Why did he pick me? Because I'm wise or noble? <laughs> no. I'm a goober. He picked me because there's this gift in me that he can anoint and place in the right place at the right time and those people would hear the gospel and it would make difference for them. One of the groups we taught over there, we were in this uh, little town called Zalow in Romania. And, and they asked us to teach this week-long Bible study there before we went up to the mountains to do the camp. We taught this week-long Bible study, and I thought we were just teaching a bunch of students that wanted to hear. I found out later students from all over Romania rode bikes and came on trains all the way across Romania. And every student that our little team of 10 people taught, every one of them had Bible studies back in their church that taught. Every one of them had 10 people they were discipling. And those 10 people had 10 people they were discipling. Now, if they had told me that going in, I'd have panicked. You know, I'd have been like, whoa, that's, that's like the whole country's going to get affected by what we say. I'm a little nervous about that. But instead, I just thought we were having a Bible study in a, in a little apartment complex. You know, and so we're just up there teaching away with all our heart. Every time we took a break in those classes, we we teach for a little while, and they take all these notes, and they're they're taking a, a booklet home with them that they can teach to the people they're teaching, and they're going to get booklets to teach to the people they're teaching. Right. So every time we'd stop the bookman and go, hey, let's take a few minutes break or snack or just to stretch our legs or whatever, a whole bunch of them would come sit right at the foot of the chair I was in and go, while we're taking a break, could you tell us another Bible story? Study stories for five days in a row. You know, I'm all out of stories. But they're like, please, just tell us one more story from the Gospel of John, anything you know. They were starving. And I'm like, God, why did you let country goober go do that? Right? So it's not that you're wise or noble. You don't have to be anything but available and willing. And you have to believe and you have to sort of step out on faith. I got to tell you, I was terrified to fly to a foreign country where I couldn't speak the language or change money or eat food or anything. It was scary. But it was important to do it, do it as part of the calling God had on my life. So we need to strive to do great things for God, not for ourselves. Secondly, we need to consider our giftings. And this is important too. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 7. And if you mark in your Bibles, highly recommend you underline and score things in your Bible. In your physical Bible. By the way, I know electronic Bibles are really cool. I use them all the time. I have a little tablet. I have a big tablet. I have a cell phone. I'm constantly using my electronic Bible. Okay? But this is something you can make notes in, physical notes, and pass on to another generation. I have my college Bible, which is an old Thompson Chain Bible that I got because of the church I grew up in here. Love Thompson Chain, and David Jones taught me how to love that book. That, that particular study Bible. And I have it, and it's, it's completely marked up, and it's broken loose from its bindings and 
all sections of it come out, and I have that Bible, that Bible will go to my firstborn son, Joshua, one day. That'll be his Bible. And then I have one that I've long since wore out, and that'll be Caleb's, my second son. But then I have a Bible for Mary. I'm working on a Bible for Mary. I want her to have a Bible that I've written notes in from my study time. Not to Mary, but to me. I want her to see how God was working in my life. And everywhere I see some story of grace, I write it down. Everywhere I see something that interests me, I make notes of it. When somebody teaches me something great, I fill the back of my Bible up with quotes that I like. I'll hear a good quote and I'll just write it down in the back of my Bible until the pages are all full. Electronic Bible's awesome too, but a whole different thing. So you got that. But Ephesians chapter 4 says it this way. To each one of us, that's the part I would circle. Each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. And this passage is that he gave us by his grace, he saved us by his grace Each one of us has been given a gift. And then he just breaks it down. He takes the leadership gifts of church life and kind of throws them in there. Some made apostles, some were prophets, some were evangelists, some were pastors and teachers. That's one of my gifts, by the way, pastor, teacher. Uh, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body. So he gave us these grace gifts. Okay, you were given, first part of verse 7, each one of us was given a grace gift to... Build up the body of Christ so we can attain unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. We were all given these gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Same thing. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 and 28. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed... In the church, first the apostles and prophets, teachers, then he goes through the list of, of, miracle, of, uh, of gifts, miracles, healings, helping, administrating, various kinds of tongues. Everybody here has been given a gift, so don't just consider your calling. Consider your gifting. You guys know when you uh, join our church, when you, when you uh, kind of plug in with us some, we, we like to figure out what your spiritual gifts are so we can help you. Just soar in those. That's how God made you. And you can become really effective in serving Him when you know those gifts. You have been given gifts to be used for the body of Christ. The context of 1 Corinthians 12 is that everybody's a part of the body. Uh, don't let the eye say to the uh, hand, I don't need you, or the foot. Uh, the foot's not any better than the hand. He's saying all the body parts are important. That's the whole context of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, and in the context of body parts, when you use your gift, the body, which is the local church, functions better. When you don't use your gift, the body is handicapped. That's how that works. I've told you before, you know, churches should have a big, the, the handicap sign for the church should, for most churches, be on the front door in giant, big, you know, imagery we're handicapped because some of our members aren't functioning. They didn't show up today. They didn't they don't use their gifts. They're just they're just kind of tagging along, but they're not functioning in their gifts for the church. The church works so much better when we function in our gifts. And that's why Paul's explaining all that to the Corinthian church. He's saying, I want you to consider your gifts. You have gifts that are be used for the body. When you use them, 
the whole body functions better. When you use your gifts, it manifests the Spirit of God. Now, I want you to think about this. When you use your spiritual gifts, it manifests the Spirit of God. That, that word originally, the Greek word there, is the word uh, we get the word flame and torch from. Uh, it means to, to shine forth, to show forth. It's the word that we would use. Uh, we would say it's like it's on display now. That's the word we had earlier today. It's, it's on display. It's actually illuminated, right? When they put something in a museum that they want you to see, they darken the whole museum, and then they put this case out there, and then they put this bright, bright light on that deal. So when you're walking through that museum, you just go, you're drawn right to it. Your spiritual gifts literally illuminate the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is illuminated by your spiritual gifts. And that's really, really, really important that all of us kind of get a hold of that today. It's to display or to put it out in the open. So if you choose not to use your gifts, if you choose not to use your gifts, being real truthful with you, then the church is handicapped. We will be handicapped when regular attenders and members of our church don't practice their gifts. Right? We're just handicapped. And we're, it means we're going to do things slower. We're going to have to work around things. We're going to have to check, find creative new ways to do things. Those of us that want to function have to figure out, well, I can't, you know, the foot's not working today. The foot didn't show up today, so we've got to work around the foot thing. We've got to figure something else out. But if we all show up and work together, we all show up and work together, then it makes a huge difference. The second thing that happens, if you choose not to use your gifts, and this is the worst one, is the Spirit of God is not on display in your life. And it's, it's, it's quenched, the, the, the brightness of the church, the body of Christ is quenched a little bit. You know that we're the glory of God in this community? I'm always looking always look at us and go, really God, this is the glory? You think that, really? We're the glory? Just honest. I don't know how well I'm doing that. But this community needs, needs the glory of God to be present. And the local body, the church, the bride of Christ, is supposed to reflect His glory. The church is supposed to do that. He picked us to do that. You're going to hear that crystal clear in the vision next week. If you choose not to, not to figure out what your giftings are or how you can better serve and help the church, not to figure out, hey, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. I like, I like doing this. Even though I don't, and it may be like me, I don't like doing this. I just, it's what God's called me to do. <clears throat> so if you, if you work through all that, ultimately you're manifesting the Spirit of God. I've had people tell me before, you know, I don't know how to know when God's Spirit is present. Well, His Spirit is present anytime a believer's in, in the room with you. The Spirit of God dwells in me because I know Christ. The Spirit of God dwells in you, Right? But how do we manifest the Spirit? Now, how do we display the Spirit? You, you manifest it by using your spiritual gifting. And I'm going to tell you how it comes out 99% of the time. I'm going to give you some examples of it. I'm going to embarrass some people. Let me, before I do that, let me just say. Um, we were made for the glory of God. You say, well, I, I don't get all that, but I just don't want to figure out what my gift is, and I sure don't want to have to serve Him. I don't want to have to do that. I mean, I got way more, I got a lot going on in my life. I don't want to have to add something else to it. You were made for this. We talk about being made for more. This is what you were made for. Whatever your 
job is or your, your, your financial plan for your future, whatever your career plans are, whatever your hopes and dreams are, all of that's very secondary to what you were actually created by Almighty God to do, which is to bring Him glory. And if you will get in the mindset that His glory matters way more than my stuff, His glory matters way more than what I'm doing, if you'll get in that mindset, it changes everything. And you will be the most content, most peaceful, most God-centered and glorified person ever. And people will be drawn to find your hope and your strength. Whatever he's got, whatever she's got, that's what I want to know. We're supposed to be bringing ourselves, we're supposed to be literally shining his light by following him and obeying him and serving him. The greatest pleasure you'll ever know in your life on earth is to manifest the spirit of God and bring glory to Christ. Manifest the spirit Bring glory to Christ. Well, how do I manifest the Spirit? The Bible says, I practice my gifts. I just do the thing that God helps me do. And by the way, the Spirit of God, the fruit of the Spirit is, somebody finish this sentence for me. The fruit of the Spirit is, one word. Say that loud. The fruit of the Spirit is, so if you just love somebody, not somebody, but everybody, you just love people with Jesus' love, you're on the way to manifesting the Spirit. It changes people when you love them well. It changes them. You have to love them well. And it's hard sometimes to love people well. But I have seen this manifestation before at our church. I'm just going to tell you the simple ones. There's hundreds of them, and I'm not trying to leave anybody out because a bunch of you have done the same thing that I'm going to, going to list. But it was probably 4.55 in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, uh, down at Mobile Infirmary in the lobby. Some of you have been on that routine with me before. You're having a surgery or you're having something happen and we got to all go check you in and then they're going to take you back and we're going to sit in the lobby. I'm just sitting in the lobby and Miss Anita just walks in, got her iPad and her big bag and all the stuff. She's ready to go. Because Diana was having, I think Diana's having knee surgery and Miss Anita just exercised love that morning. A lot of love. She doesn't like getting up at 4.45 in the morning, do you? You didn't even like getting up this morning when you came in the door. You're running. <laughs> no, that was yesterday. That was yesterday. Church a little too early. The, the baby shower was a little too early for you. But you know what? At 4.45 at 5 o'clock a.m. in the morning, she drove from Sims all the way down to Mobile Infirmary to sit with Miss Helen and me and anybody else that was going to be there that day, came up with Caitlin that day, to sit and just make sure everything goes okay for Diana. That's a, that's a love moment that's powerful to the local church, by the way. She's not a relative. She's, a, she's just a friend from church that exercised that gift. Uh, Jay and uh, April were at the hospital was this past week? Week, week, week ago. Week ago. Uh, we're at the hospital because April's uh, brother was having a heart procedure done. 20-year-old having a heart procedure done. And, uh, and I'd, I'd gone down there to be with him. Met, met a bunch of his family. And uh, just hanging out with him. And then I find out that Aaron Aaron, Aaron just showed up. He had a hard time finding because he's from Birmingham. That hospital's kind of in the back corner of a, of a building. But, but he showed up at the infirmary, found us in the lobby, in the waiting area, registration area, and waited with us. You know why? Because he just wanted to show love to, to Jay and to April. That's manifesting your gift. 
just going to tell you, I was literally walking on clouds that day when Aaron showed up there. I was. I was like, because I, I do a lot of high school stuff. I'm there. I mean, you expect me to do that, by the way? And I do. I do my very best to make it. If you're going to be there, I'm going to try to be there with you. Right? Unless I'm out of town or something happened to me, I'm going to be there. So you expect me to be there. But when a, a church member just says, I'm just going to extend myself a little bit. You know, I'm going I'm to make the extra effort. I'm going to get there and be there. I felt the presence of God that day like I haven't felt in a long time. I literally ended up with a couple of phone calls that took me out of the room, out of the room, and I walk when I talk on the phone. I don't know if y'all do that, but i gotta, I got to be mobile. And so I'm walking all over the hospital wall, uh, hallways, talking on the phone with, with a friend of mine about a ministry need he has. And I couldn't help but tell him, I said, man, you're never going to believe what happened today. A guy, a guy from our Bible study, and I, he's not just a guy, Aaron's my friend. He, I've known him longer than I've known lots of y'all. <laughs> okay, but, but Aaron goes way back to Birmingham days, but he showed up at, at the hospital. Not at a Bible study or a cookout, you know, not at a special day at church. He showed up off campus with the, with the heart to just say, man, I'm just here. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Now let me know. Keep me posted. I'm just telling you, it's that simple. We, we make it, we think it's somehow complicated to minister to people, but sometimes you just literally show up to help them, and you help them. Sometimes you have to just make yourself available to go and be a part of whatever's going on in somebody's life and say, hey, can, can I help with that? And you overhear a conversation where somebody's talking about something hard they're going through. You can literally take that person later, not in the middle of all what they're talking about, just go, I'd love to pray with you about that sometime. Well, that's kind of awkward. No, it's not. No, it's not. That's the manifestation of spirit. Well, I don't like praying with people. Okay. I don't like preaching in front of people. Get, get over yourself. That's what I'm saying. I'm sorry that sounds real harsh. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not sorry. I'm saying we got to get over our uncomfortable little weirdness about stuff and go, no, the Spirit of God needs to be manifest in me. I've got to get outside myself to do that. But God has to anoint me. And to do that, I've got to manifest Him. I've got to go get help somebody that needs help or speak to somebody that might need speaking to. Somebody that's sitting alone at lunch somewhere and you just you know, tap on the shoulder and go, hey, you know, my son Josh and I, when we, when we go out to eat sometimes, we overhear conversations, you know, at the table, because the tables are all close in restaurants and stuff. You overhear conversations. And you just, you know, at some point, I, I was so cool. It was so cool because the Spirit of God just manifests through Josh, who's very shy. Y'all know Josh. Very shy. Very, very dad. Now I don't want to talk to strangers. I'd rather, you know, can we just get this to go kind of thing, right? But he's sitting there and he's listening to this conversation. And he goes, Dad, I got I got sleep in it. Okay, now I'm scared now. I'm like, I don't know if you're scared, but I'm scared because I don't know what you're going to say. Yeah? But he just ministered to this person that was talking about a medical need. Because he has medical needs. And it registered with him. And so he just ministered into that for just seconds. It only took like two minutes. But man, I, I felt the presence of God all in this little restaurant going, whoa, that was so cool. Right? It's not anything... Crazy, crazy big. You don't have to go to Romania, you know, to manifest your, the Spirit of God. You know, you don't have to run around a parking lot with an amplifier and try to yell at people about Jesus. I'm talking about loving people, listening, learning, and as you walk through life, just blessing people. Finding ways to show them 
There's a love way outside of this world, way bigger than me and you that needs to love them. Does that make sense? Okay, so I'm going to run through the carryouts real quick with you, and then we're going to practice what we're talking about. Um, one, take time this week to write out a thank you note. Uh, the, the text says consider your calling. Consider how you got saved. So I'm actually, my goal this week is to write another letter of thanks to Myrna Locke, the lady that led me to Jesus uh, when I was in second grade. I'm going to write her another letter and tell her kind of what we're preaching through. And, you know, that, that little goofy, snot-nosed kid in her class, you know, actually is trying to be something for Jesus. Not not winning any awards at it, but I really do love Jesus to the earth. So take time this week to consider your calling and how he calls you into the family. Just look at all the nuances of that. It's really a, a miracle. It's a miracle. It's your best miracle, by the way, that you got called into his family. Spend some quiet time evaluating how you can use your spiritual gifts from God to encourage others at church. The gifts are meant to encourage people at church. They're meant for the church to build up the body of Christ. But you can manifest your gifts anywhere because the fruit of the Spirit is love. So you can love outside the body, which we're going to work on this year. Very hard as a church to do that very much better. And number three, ask God to give you opportunities to put the Spirit of God on display other benefit. It's not to be showy. It's just, Lord, if you could just shine through me today. Just ask him, Lord, could you just shine through me today for somebody? I'd love for somebody to know you in, in the journey I'm traveling. I'm meeting all these people, seeing people, different people. I'd love for them to know you. Right? 